Buenos dias from the Springs. This is the Rorschach Argentina update from the 22nd of September 2022. A quick summary of what's going down in Argentina. Spring is here, weather is getting warmer, days are getting longer, and things are looking a little bit brighter as many start making plans for the summer season. As always, inflation is in full bloom with only a super minister to fight it. Last week, the central bank decided to boost the benchmark rate by 5.5% to reach a 75% rate in a bid to strengthen its currency and boost reserves. Still, that percentage may be way below the annual inflation rate. The clock is not only ticking for the economy minister, but the planet as well. In August, the areas affected by drought increased by 10 million hectares in the country, to the point where some farmers are abandoning their lands. According to a report released on Monday the 19th by the National Meteorological Service, the moderate drought expanded to the north of Buenos Aires and south to Entre Rios. This is bad in itself, but also terrible timing, as Russia's invasion of Ukraine presented an opportunity for Argentinian wheat farmers to move further into the market, while trade with new regions such as Africa has popped up. It still isn't living up to its full potential. Meanwhile, another industry is waiting to take flight. A few months ago, China announced that it will build an $8 billion nuclear power plant outside Buenos Aires. Currently, however, the deal is pending since Argentina demands that their engineers manufacture the reactor fuel domestically. The Hualong-1 reactor would greatly advance Argentina's atomic program, but the National Atomic Energy Commission wanted to prioritize local engineers. After all, Argentina's nuclear science advances have grown significantly over the last 70 years, with the main obstacles being the ones that poor economies often face. Argentina is already a top supplier of research reactors to Australia, Algeria, the Netherlands, and Saudi Arabia. This particular deal would give the country the opportunity to expand to new international markets and a new reactor at a fraction of the price paid for similar technologies the U.S. and Europe can offer. Speaking of international affairs, on Tuesday the 20th, President Fernandez delivered a speech before the United Nations General Assembly in New York, which marked his return after two years of attending virtually due to COVID. He started his speech by addressing the attempted assassination of Vice President Cristina Fernandez de Kirchner, saying that many times in history, assassinations have been the prologue to great tragedies. He also referred to the issue of the war in Ukraine and food security and although he did not name the United States directly, President Fernandez also called for the removal of the ongoing sanctions on Cuba and Venezuela. During his U.S. tour, which includes meetings with energy leaders in Houston, the president will try to secure new investments on the Vaca Muerta shale patch. In August, natural gas production reached a historical record of almost 92 million cubic meters, the highest in 21 years. Back to the topic of Venezuela, we have an update on the cargo plane case, which was detained and held at the Ezeize International Airport three months ago. On Friday the 16th, of the 19 crew members, 10 Venezuelans and one Iranian 
were allowed to return to their homes. Four Iranians, including the one who was accused of being part of Iran's al-Quds force, and three Venezuelans still face banning orders. With big political issues like the ones we've covered so far, it's funny to think that the government had to meet with kiosk vendors this week to tackle the issue of the World Cup sticker album. But it's real. Sticker albums are a beloved children's tradition across the country in which kids buy and trade figurines of a specific topic to complete the collection. But every four years, when the company Panini releases the World Cup sticker album, it extends to adults as well. This year, the sticker fever was particularly high, to the point where the company just couldn't meet the demand. Only days after the release of the album, on the 24th of August, kiosks and other sellers were struggling to get a hold of the figurines, and consumers started to become annoyed. On Tuesday the 20th, the Union of Kiosk Owners demanded a meeting with directors of the Panini Company and the Secretary of Commerce made it happen. The kiosk owners claim that faced with the high demand for the World Cup figurines, the Panini Company favors delivery to supermarkets, service stations, and delivery apps, which are not the usual channels for the sale of other Panini products during the rest of the year. So far, we don't know if the meeting was helpful in any way, but people had lots of fun teasing the government over it online. In other business news, the Argentine unicorn Uala acquired the company Cebo Creditos, a fintech firm specializing in providing credit and financial services that include buy-now-pay-later options. The goal of the acquisition was to expand Uala's loan services that don't require a credit score. So far, the company has issued about 2 million loans in Argentina. Uala is also still working on the integration of Willow Bank, whose purchase was approved by the central bank earlier this year. At the same time, another Argentine powerhouse, Tienda Nube, the software company that helps business owners create their e-commerce sites easily with no specialized or programming knowledge, is investing $6 million on a new business unit. It will be called Evolucion, a personalized service that seeks to promote the growth of the brands whose digital stores it supports. For physical stores, and for all places in general, the use of face masks is no longer compulsory. On Wednesday the 21st, the government published the decision via decree, meaning that face masks will stop being compulsory in whatever space, including public transport. This was confusing for some as the government has been progressively easing this restriction, but the ultimate decision is always left to the authorities in each district. Therefore, it's hard to keep track of the measures in each one. Moving on, two Argentine pairs were crowned winners of the World Tango Championships on Sunday the 18th. As we mentioned in previous episodes, the championship took place in Buenos Aires throughout the month, and more than 20,000 people attended the music and dance shows. The finals were held on a stage in front of the Buenos Aires Obelisk, where Constanza Vieito, and Ricardo Estrada from the city of Pergamino in the Buenos Aires province emerged victorious. And while they won in the stage category, 
Cynthia Palacios and Sebastian Bolivar from the city of Cipolletti in Neoquin were crowned in the traditional or salon category. On that note about Argentine culture, the media outlet Insider published an interesting piece on the cost of living in Buenos Aires, penned by Christine Gilbert, an American freelance writer who moved to Buenos Aires City six years ago. The article explores how much she spends on different activities and needs, as well as how she moves between currencies. It's not a deep dive, but it may be helpful for anyone thinking of moving to the city. Want to know more? Follow the link in the show notes. That's it for this week. Thanks for listening. We've been thinking about ways that we can set up some type of community, not through emails or some other way to waste time online, but a real community with cool people, influence, and responsibilities. We are not sure how to do it or what it would look like, But if you are listening to this, you are exactly who we want to be in it. Any chance you could talk to us about what would and would not interest you about an endeavor like that? Send us an email at podcast at Rorschach.com. Nos vemos la próxima semana.